And we're back with another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and again, we have Ryan back with us. Ryan, how's it going? Good, Kenny. Good. Uh, getting antsy for fall to get here. Uh, you know, fall's always a good time with the, a lot of releases coming out, especially the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. So I'm excited to oh, talk yeah. to our guest today because he sounds like he has the easiest and coolest job. We have Chris Comstock, and Chris is the Bourbon Marketing Director at Buffalo Trace. Yeah, excited to, for, to have Chris on today. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Give 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. First, I kind of wanted to ask, did you see uh, this whole like fire NATO, bourbon, bourbon NATO thing, this video that's been circulating over Facebook and Twitter the past week? No, I did not. You didn't see it? Okay, so uh-huh. many people probably saw it. It was all over like forums and I even had people in uh, different states and family members like tagging it on my Facebook wall, like, oh, check this out. You know, what's going on? Well, if you if you do a quick uh, Google search for it, you just do like fire NATO. And I, I literally just did it right before the show. And like all the news results, there's like a thousand of them. And they all just happened like two days ago. But it's a video that shows the aftermath of when lightning struck at a Jim Beam plant. And so it was, they, oh, they, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. They, they go and talk about, you know, over 800,000 gallons are of bourbon or whiskey was spilled into a retention pond and it, it, and, and it, that caught fire and it also caught the water on fire. And as the blaze was actually spreading, the wind was actually whipping the fire into something that looked like a tornado. And so that's why everybody's calling it, you know, tornado or fire NATO or bourbon NATO. And the fire was eventually put out, but it killed a large number of fish and it cost Jim Beam about uh, $27,000 in cleanup costs. Well, one of the things that I found really interesting is that, you know, one of the most you know famous people, at least when within the line of, you know, the bourbon realm, wrote a blog post about it. So we all probably know Chuck Cowdery, you know, from uh, chuckcowdery.blogspot.com. He writes a lot of the, a lot of stuff on bourbon. 
and he wrote that really, you know, this news isn't viral. He goes, it's for some reason he hadn't even seen the video up until now, but this actually happened back in 2003. So for anybody that's out there, you know, waiting for like a quote unquote, like, you know, the fire release, you know, you you probably shouldn't hold your breath. And Chuck mentions that, you know, lightning really didn't ignite a leak from the factory. Lightning actually struck a warehouse and that was the conclusion that was reached by the investigators. And that retention pond, it was man-made, uh, talks about how Beam has 72 different maturation warehouses. And this was just one on the small end with 800,000 gallons. And he's also talked about there was actually another fire warehouse that, sorry, another fire destroyed another warehouse, almost in the same exact spot back in 1968 before Beam owned it. And then he also notes that it, for anybody that really cares about when a, a warehouse starts to burn, he has to help you understand that, you know, firefighters can't stop it. Uh, all they can do is just kind of stop it from spreading because he said some barrels explode and they send others flying through the air and the flames are usually blue like alcohol or like an alcohol lamp. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty interesting that that it all happened here in this past week. Yeah, it's I didn't know there was a video. I saw I did see the, you know, the Facebook, but I didn't see the video. I'll have to check it out. But I, my parents, I we grew up, I grew up about two or three miles from there. So I remember when it happened and uh, like it was yesterday, but that in the heaven Hill fire. So that's pretty cool. I'll have to yeah. check it out. Well, cool. Let's go on and uh, kick off the show today on the show. We have Chris Comstock and Chris is the bourbon marketing director at Buffalo trace, but there's a little bit of a fun tidbit about Chris is that he's a six foot eight, six foot eight inches tall. So he's what we consider kind of a beast man. And uh, he played a little ball in his time. So Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Hey guys, happy to be here. Good. So I guess tell us, you know, your bourbon story. Do you have any kind of old memories of, you know, maybe where bourbon influenced your life before your time at Buffalo Trace? Oh, I got up to Kentucky when I was 18 years old. So I don't have any stories from those years. Of course not. Of course not. But, you know, eventually I started to appreciate bourbon in Kentucky and the, the, the history there and the, and the taste. And, um, well, one of my friends were drinking beers. I was starting to explore different different bourbons, and I you know fell in love with it and appreciated that you know the bourbon is part of Kentucky, it's part of our stories, the fabric of our culture is part of that. So um, I really appreciated bourbon whiskey, and of course since then I've tried you know, countless different bourbon whiskeys. Um, it's fortuitous that I am out here at Buffalo Trace because I I respect all the work that's been done in this industry. And happy to be part of it now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's awesome, especially everything that's going on at Buffalo Trace. So I guess kind of talk us about what led you to Buffalo Trace. Like, how did you actually end up being there and, and what led you into the bourbon industry? I wanted to get in the industry and I respected this new brand, Buffalo Trace, which at that time in 2002, 2003, was, was very small. Uh, and Buffalo Trace is still a fairly small brand. But back then, we... We're selling Buffalo Trace outside of 200 miles of the distillery. Uh, you, could, you, you could drive to Nashville and find it, but if you drove any farther south than that, you couldn't find a bottle, uh, much less in Ohio or uh, Missouri, for example. Um, but now, with the popularity of bourbon, that's boomed in the last couple of years. Even though we were planning for growth, uh, we sat here today in 2015, and we don't have enough. The reason I'm at the distillery now is because I had tons of energy for Buffalo Trace and for the bourbon industry, so I wrote a letter to the president of the company, Mark Brown, and said, I want to come work for you. And it was coincidental, they were looking for 
for someone to to help, and that's when we got started. That was in 2002, and I joined the company in January of 2003. And it was really cool in 2013 when I got to 10 years after I had been here, I got to taste Eagle Rare that I had planned for when I first showed up on the job. I thought it was pretty neat. You know, you make plans to make whiskey just like right now. We're, we're making some. Last week, made some Happy Van Winkle for 2039. So how many? How much allotment do you have then? Yeah. For... <laughs> <laughs> you might have a bit more. You might have a bit more. But you never know what the barrels are going to yield. Well, let's hope in 2039 we're not waiting in line still. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully I don't camp out anymore. If everything goes to plan, there will be a few more bottles then than there is today, but who knows what demand will be like. It's the one big question mark that you know, none of us has an answer to. Now we, we make our best guesses and we plan out. Yeah, you know, some fancy do. logarithm to like look at and like, well, this is where we need to be or where, where we should plan for. How do you go about that process? There's a, there's a bit of science to it. You know, you look at opportunity and, and growth here in the states and outside of the states and how bourbon is doing overall and what, what do we think the size of the bourbon category can get to. Uh, but things are cyclical. And whether we have enough 20 years from now or not enough, um, I don't know. But I guarantee you we'll probably be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, other than kind of forecasting, what else do you do in your current role? I try to teach folks about bourbon whiskey, and um, you know, I'm really involved with consumers and visitors here at the distillery and customers. You know, I travel a bit, talk to talk to folks, and uh, teach them about what makes bourbon different than other whiskeys and taste through different whiskeys. That's a that's a fun part of the job. Um, other things, pouring over numbers. And, you know, looking at labels and making sure, you know, maintaining our quality, you know, having a chance to you know, meet internally and, and plan and forecast, like you said. But the, the fun part is tasting the bourbon. <laughs> Either when people come and visit the distillery or I get to go and uh, meet folks on their own turf, crack open some bottles and taste the difference and answer the questions. Because people have more and better questions than they ever have, have before. I mean, they, folks know about different recipes and the different aging environments and the different experiments that we've been conducting around here and asking, what does this taste like? And when are we going to be able to taste that? Right now, we've got hundreds of thousands of barrels in inventory for bottlings you know, for the next 23 years. But some of the most fun stuff to, to taste and talk about to dig into are one of the experiments we're doing. Oh, yeah. So talk about the experiments then. Let's, let's hear it. You know, some of the stuff we've done in the past is different woods, woods from different parts of the country or the world, or different toasts to the barrel, different chars, different mash bills using different ingredients, ingredients that are non-traditional for bourbon. Our single oil project was you know, a massive undertaking. We actually handpicked barrels from those are mountains and made individual barrels out of each one. We age-dried the wood and we put different mash bills in them. And we let them wait eight years. And then over the last couple of years, people have been tasting them and telling us what they think. 
Actually, it was just a couple months ago that all the votes were counted, and we had our winner. Out of 192 unique whiskeys, barrel number 80 was the favorite. And that whiskey, I thought, was fantastic, and we're going to make some more of it. But the problem is we got to wait. You gotta wait ten more years. Yeah, that's the problem. So I guess that's one thing that we actually interviewed uh, when we did Harlan. I think in the second episode, he, he talked about that that uh, you know that single oak project and, and the experimentals and stuff like that. And yeah, so at that time, eighty actually hadn't been announced. So yeah, if you do come across the uh, the number eighty out there anywhere in the stores, if you can still find the single oak project, that is going to be the ticket, or that's actually going to be the bourbon that's going to become a label. Uh, at some point here in, what, eight, ten years or whenever it's going to be? About ten years, because first we've got Harvest Nutrients, then we've got to age dry them for 12 months. So we won't be you know, another 18, 20 months before we even have any bills that are full of whiskey, much less have, you know, matured for eight or nine years. So we've got a ways to waste away. In, in, in this business, there is a lot of patience required. Uh, on top of the single up project, we've got 4,000 other experimental barrels of whiskey. And some of them, I guarantee you, are not going to turn out well. <laughs> but you learn as much from your failures. You learn, hey, let's not do that again. That doesn't taste great. Um, some, of them, some of the whiskeys are going to not be a huge variation from our standard. I mean, you tweak the, the char level, and maybe you don't have a huge difference for example well with four thousand with four thousand experiments there's no way you guys can do all that by yourself so i know you can you can recruit two more people if you need somebody right. to come by and just you know do some tasting and spit it back in the cup or whatever you need i think <laughs> you'll we'll, we'll give you our number after the show for sure the stuff that does turn out that, that's what keeps us energized and when you try something and it tastes phenomenal we did an experiment a few years ago using french oak as opposed to american oak and the regs for bourbon say it has to be aged in a new oak container. But it doesn't say necessarily has to be an American oak container. So that French oak bourbon we made was bourbon. And it was sweet, and it was mellow, had depth. I thought it was fantastic. And we never would have, never would have anyone would have, would have never been able to you know, taste that sort of thing. Unless decades ago someone said, hey, let's try this, it's just to see. Well, good. I, I hope. Uh, well, so, when are we going to see that one on the market? Is that the, is that barrel number eighty? No, that was a, just a French oak experiment. Yeah. So that one's never going to see the light of day then. Well, we, we released one. Oh yeah. That, Which one was that? Know, it was as part of our experimental collection. Uh, and some of these experimental barrels come of age. We'll bottle them up. They're very rare. Imagine if you've got two barrels that you made a decade ago. There's not much whiskey to go around. But if you go to BuffaloTraceDistillery.com, you can see. So, I mean, I guess another question on those experimentals, um, you know, you, you even said that there's some experiments that go bad and even if there's only, you know, two barrels of it now, are these barrels, even if say, say it's a bad batch or bad experiment, will you still bottle these up and put them out as an experimental to try to recoup costs? Or are you just kind of like, we don't want to kind of tarnish the brand. Let's just go ahead and uh, dump this or whatever it is. Yeah, it's not about recouping any costs. <laughs> ever. You know, we're not going to put our name on it if we don't think that uh, you know, it's good whiskey. So we'll usually we'll bottle it up in, uh, in little flask bottles and put a, a fail label on it and put it down in the basement so that 100 years from now, the next generation will, will say, hey, we already tried this. 
Don't do that. Let's <laughs> not repeat our failures. So, something tells me it's going to be like a Christmas party here in the next 20 years. Somebody's going to go and find that basement and just, it's just going to be the best <laughs> Christmas party ever. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So uh, I, another thing that you're also in charge of is you're also in charge of uh, from that bio, some of the, the packaging that, that goes in there. Um, so can you kind of talk to a little bit about some of the labels that, that Buffalo Trace has and maybe some of the meaning behind some of the labels as well? It's a fun part of the job. The packaging of a brand, I think there's a lot to communicate what the, what the product is. Uh, so for Buffalo Trace, that packaging was developed before I joined. But it was named after the Buffalo Crossing and the Buffalo that, that traveled east to west and across the Kentucky River where the distillery sets today. That's why the distillery is called the Buffalo Trace Distillery because that's what led early American pioneers to the spot. And they settled down here. Two guys in Wilson, Hancock Lee, and called it Lee's Town, and eventually started to make whiskey. And so that's why the brand's called Buffalo Trace, and it's got a hunkin' big buffalo on it. So hopefully that resonates with the people. Uh, I think it's cool. Uh, we do a lot of animals and names around here. We <laughs> noticed. Eagle George T. Stead. Now that's named after a man, but the icon is you know, the antlers. Very masculine packaging that is. Uh, Blanton Single Barrel was developed in 1984. It's named after Colonel Blanton, who hired Elmer T. Lee. And Elmer was the one that said, hey, let's do one barrel at a time. Albert Blanton. And so we started doing that in 1984. And the packaging is really ornate, and it's handwritten labels, and it's got the Kentucky Thoroughbred and Jockey on the top. That's a, uh, a cool bottle, but very different from Buffalo Trace. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus Magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Yeah, one of the things that, that I've always noticed about Blanton's, and you know, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's almost like a, a collector series, right? It's it's um it's it's you gotta buy 
all the bottles to be able to spell out Blanton's because if you if you look on the the, the jockey and the horse on the um, the top of the cork or whatever you're going to call it, the top or the bottle, there's going to be a letter that's on the, the one of the foot or should I say one of the feet of the horse, and you collect all of them and it spells out Blanton's. And the, the, the word that I've always heard is that it's one stride of a horse when you actually collect and you get all eight that are actually in a row. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. There's eight different cork stoppers for plants. And uh, the, the first one in the series, has, there's a bee on a, on a hook of the thoroughbred. Uh, and it actually, the horse hasn't started to run yet. His legs are straight and the jockey's sitting up you know, in the starting gate, perhaps. And then for every other letter, it spells out the word blankness. It's a a stride of the, the racehorse, and the S obviously is last, and the jockey's got his whip in the air, and he's cheering because he just won the Kentucky Derby. You know, not everybody knows that, but it's fun when, you, when people learn, because then they have to inspire them to try to collect them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool, especially to collect them. You know, I, uh, I also went the cheating route. I, uh, if you go to the distillery, I believe you can buy a bag of the tops as well as the stave to be able to kind of just display them, right? Yeah, that's lame. Yeah, well, you know, it was a it was a birthday gift, and my parents felt like being a little unique. And I guess instead of buying me eight bottles, they just figured it'd be easier just to go buy the tops for them. Nice. So uh, there's another one that you kind of had your hand in was Stag Jr. So kind of talk about the differences between uh, everybody kind of knows, and we, we talked about earlier, uh, George T. Stag and how the antique collection is starting to come out. But what is where does Stag Jr. really fit in, and kind of what's the key difference between those two brands? Well, our antique collection is what I think some of the best around. And it only comes out every year in the fall, you know, once per year. There's always been a more accessible version of Eagle Rare 17-year-old. It's our Eagle Rare 10-year-old. And the Sazerac 18-year-old has got a little bit more accessible version of that and the standard Sazerac. Same thing with William Little Weller. But there never was a more available version of George T. Stagg. And it's a shame because George T. Stagg is a lot of people's favorites. It's probably one of my favorites. Uh, so if you don't find a bottle of George T. in September or October, then you miss out for the whole year. Decide, hey, let's do like we've done for Eagle Rare and Weller and Sazerac and, and make a version that is a little bit more available, uh, a little bit less expensive. So we, we started tasting some barrels that were eight years, nine years old. We put some batches together and said, no, this stuff's not George T. Stagg necessarily, but... This is phenomenal. And at that, at eight or nine years, you don't have to wait quite as long, right? Uh, and it's still uncut unfiltered. So you get the, the essence of that uncut unfiltered, big, rich taste, and hints of espresso, dark chocolate, and then whatnot at 135. You know, I, I didn't expect people to, you know, think uh, it's the same because it's. It's a a bit younger, but it's not quite as expensive either, and it's it's a little bit more available. We do three or four releases of Stag Junior every year, so better chance you get yourself your hands on a bottle, right? You know, if I had a bottle of George T. Stag in the house, I'm very careful who I offer a drink of that to. Absolutely, (laughs) it's a special occasion when I, you know, when I pop that cork. But with Stag Junior, you can uh, you don't have so much heartburn around doing it. You're going to get another bottle. So I guess there's always been another question that's kind of burning on me with uh, the Eagle Rare thing. So as, as anybody kind of knows and they pay attention, they walk in liquor stores, the 10-year-old the used to be on the neck. And now it's sort of gone through a, a rebranding. and I wouldn't call it rebranding. It's just a repackaging. And now that 10-year-old is starting to go towards the back of the label. Is that an indication of things to come that the uh, the 10-year stock is starting to run low? 
No, that's not our plan. It's always been on the back of the label. We didn't just add it there. It's always been there. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, so our last episode, we uh, we, we kind of talked about giving away some free samples to people that wrote reviews. And I put on there, I said, you know, I'll give away some samples of stuff. And so I sent stuff off to like the first two or three people. And two of the first three all replied back they wanted samples of of the uh, George T. Stack. And I was like, damn it. I knew I shouldn't have put that on there. Everyone loves, I mean, not everyone does. It's a big whiskey. But for, for 135, 140 proof, uh, it's amazingly sippable. Lots, lots of depth of flavor there. And I like that bit of bitter coffee espresso dark chocolate. Uh, I like that in, uh, in George T. So give it to us straight. So if you had to choose... You know, you, you talked about stag a lot, but let's let's take the whole Buffalo Trace portfolio. And so, if you could only take three bourbons with you, uh, let's say let's say you're you're losing your job, and they're saying you get to take three about three bottles with you. What are the three <laughs> bottles that you're going to take? Well, we already talked about one. I think if it was my if it was the end of days, George T. Stag would be the bottle that I had my last drink out. I love George T. Stag, uh, but. Aside from that, some of my other favorites, you know, Buffalo Trace is probably the most balanced bourbon of the deck. You know, it's 25 bucks for a bottle, but Harlan will tell you there's nothing more balanced that comes from Buffalo Trace Distillery. George T. Stag is not a balanced whiskey. It's a big, bold whiskey. Uh, out of the weeded recipes, I like Willow 12. Uh, I mean, that's a, that, so does everyone else. Uh, that, <laughs> Now, he talks to a lot of us here in the industry that work at bourbon distilleries and whatnot, like Jimmy Russell or, or, or other friends like Rutledge and whatnot. Eight to 12 years old is a great age for bourbon whiskey. You don't have to wait necessarily 20 years. Frankly, some of the stuff that I've tasted that's 18, 19, 20 years plus has gone past the product. It's too oaky and too dry. Now, we did recipe that you can go longer, more gracefully, but our younger 17-year-old is pushing the envelope, I think. But it's all personal preference. That's just my preference. I, I love happy 20-year-old. Um, I love George T. Stagg. I love, you know, I'll tell you, a, a big whiskey, Thomas H. Haney, son of our bride. You need to make a hell of an old-fashioned with that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who says that you know one whiskey is the best for every occasion? I think that what's cool about Buffalo Trace Distillery is that we make so many different recipes and age things at so many different lengths of time that we can offer such a variety because my tastes are different than yours and my tastes today are going to be different than they are a week from now. There's just different occasions I want something different. And, and you know, we try to cover as much ground as we can with variety. Oh, yeah. Um, there's there's definitely a variety there at the distillery. I mean, I would, I would encourage anybody to ever – Go and visit Buffalo Trace, and uh, if you want to, always take the hard hat tour because that's something that's an experience that you're not going to get with anything else. You'll get to get uh, a lot more in-depth with it. So I would, I would always encourage our listeners to go and do that as well when they do go visit. And as for yeah. Freddie. Lastly, I kind of want to talk about the Antique Collection since it was just announced. I'll go ahead and kind of give uh, give some, some cliff notes and some highlights for some of our listeners. So from what I found out so far, what's kind of been come off the press release is that the George T. Stag this year will be 138.2 proof, and but the the odd thing here is that there was actually an incredible amount that was lost to evaporation. 
There were 128 barrels, which is about normal uh, for the George T. Stagg allotment, but somewhere around 80% or 84%, whatever as I read, was actually lost to evaporation. So there's definitely going to be a, a decrease in the amount of George T. Stags that will be available out there in the wild this year. Uh, William LaRue Weller uh, came in at 134.6 proof. But on the flip side of this, there's actually going to be double the amount of bottles of William LaRue Weller as there were compared to 2014. Um, Eagle Rare 17 is fresh once again after a couple of years of being a tank 19-year-old. So that's going to be something that's going to be exciting to kind of get at. Uh, and this is going to be the last year for the tanked Sazerac 18. So the, the, the Sazerac 18 has kind of been the same exact bourbon here for the past few years. Uh, but this is going to be the, the end of it. Um, and then also we are going to still see the Thomas H. Haney that will still always be out there as usual. So uh, anything you want to give us? Uh, any more insider tips uh, for the antique collection? Uh, I love this year's William Rue. Uh, and we've been planning for more William Rue Weller for a while now. We've got more barrels this year to choose from. So we, you know, we hand tasted, hand picked, and tasted, and, and settled on the batch of those quite a few more barrels. So that's where you're going to get and have a little bit more uh, of that, which is great, considering that you know our yield on Igor 17 year old was a little bit light, and Sazerac 18 year old was a little bit light, and you know, luckily we're going to get into. Mature 18 year old rye whiskey barrels next year. So, we'll have a first new batch of Sazerac rye in a while, um, which would be you know, fantastic and interesting. And, you know, you know, of course, we'll pick the barrels to, to mimic the taste profile as best we can. But the tasting is a serious business. You might, I mean, people joke about, oh, about that job, of being able to taste whiskey for a living. But none of us do it solely for a living. But we do take it really seriously uh, in between you know, everything else that's going on. And we picked those barrels of George T. Stagg this year. Same, you know, we had some barrels to choose. We, we, we tasted We picked a match. We're all fired up. We didn't pick it because we think this barrel's got a lot of liquid in it. This barrel doesn't. We pick it all on taste. And we got ready to dump the barrels into a, into a batch. We found out some of these barrels have like one, two, three gallons left in them. And you say it's evaporation, but that's a big piece of it. But there's, you know, some of them could have had some leaks or, or you know, been sampled over, over, over sampled over the years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and it's a shame because the batch tastes awesome, but there's not as much to go around. In fact, there's less than half as many bottles as we had last year. So it's not like we didn't have barrels. They just didn't yield as much liquid as we had hoped. Uh, so we're already starting to get ahead of it for next year. So we can, we're going we're gonna to taste and try to put together a batch. Uh, and, and, and in advance and make sure that we've got some, you know, we're not going to pick any barrel that's not ready. But at least we'll, we'll know in advance how much liquid we have to work with. And that stuff is 15 years old. You know, George Stagg is a minimum 15 years. So you can have a lot of evaporation, but it was a, a bit of shame on this, this fall, especially you know, for me who loves it so much <laughs> and for everybody else. Who loves yeah. It. Well, I'm sure everybody's going to be out there hunting real soon. So we're all looking forward to that release hitting the market uh, here within the next probably few weeks to a month or two. In the next two to six weeks, hopefully. Yeah. We, we don't control the whole 
distribution process because our wholesale partners get into stores and stores and bars and put it on the shelf or handle it however they want to. It's, but oh yeah, in two to six weeks, at least some bottles. You know, we're not going to change the price because there's there's less of it or more of it. I mean, our pricing is our pricing, and you know, these bottles should be uh, seventy bucks. Oh, I can only wish we saw it for seventy dollars. <laughs> uh, well, we, that's what we want it to be. I mean, I, we want it to be a affordable like you can find it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually a shame, I think, that some people charge so so much. So, Chris, I want to again say thank you for getting and joining on the show. Uh, for anybody else that wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Just email me. My email address is simple: it's kcomstock at buffalotrace dot com. They so can also find you on Twitter too, right? Yeah, Buffalo Comstock. All right, great. So we'll go ahead and put those in the show notes for anybody that wants to uh, wants to find you. Uh, again, Chris, thank you for being on the show. It was uh, great, uh, you know, kind of learning about your history and the roles that you're doing there and uh, giving some more commentation on the antique collection because it's always one of the great things that – one of the best collections that you can get out there, one of the best – some of the best bourbons and ryes that you're going to be able to find in the market that will be coming soon. Thanks. I had a lot of fun. Great talking about whiskey. Second best thing to drink in the whiskey. I agree <laughs> wholeheartedly. <laughs> So if you want to uh, follow us and like us, you can you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash bourbon pursuit. Uh, a lot of that is kind of regurgitated data that we do from Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us on there at bourbon pursuit. Yep. And any uh, suggestions or feedback, uh, you know, uh, guest suggestions, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next time.